This episode of the Thundercast does have quite a lot of errors uh, with our internet. Uh, so there will be a couple moments where you'll notice some skipping around in terms of the audio and the visuals. So just bear with us. It was purely the internet's fault, not ours. Yep. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. My name is Christian. And I'm Liam, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. And today we are coming to you live straight from Kevin Feige's sweatshop. That's right. It's right under his hat. Yeah, it's not just baldness. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say, oh boy, Liam? You suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called playing into it. Yeah. <laughs> Christian. And we are sponsored by our patrons, and you'll get a shout out at the end of the show. Um, what are we talking about today, Lucas? Uh, today we are talking about a subject that is probably hitting a lot of people uh, in some in one way or another. But we're I think we're discussing it uh, primarily towards uh, media. We're talking about uh, burnout. That's or right. Franchise fatigue. Yeah. Things of that sort. Mine might be exactly. a little more personal, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. Uh, should we just jump right into the ingestion then? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, so I have been mostly playing a lot of video games. That's mm -hmm. been kind of my my thing over the past little while. Uh, since we recorded last, I, I probably haven't mentioned these things on the show, I don't think. But I played Cyberpunk 2077, and I don't like it. It's so fucking broken. Um, oh, and I damn. paid like $30 for this fucking game. Because I, I got it on like 50% off or something like that and um like steam steam fall sale or something like that mm -hmm. and i played probably three hours of the game and i think i'm good i do not want to keep going the uh <laughs> the, the driving is abysmal even now after like all these patches and shit it's been a year they just haven't done anything to make it better. <laughs> that's that's really surprising that they ha that they haven't fixed it. Yeah, you'd that's think... what happens when you know a game isn't finished, release it anyway, and then you just can and then yeah, yeah, that, it's, it's, it's a bad game, guys. Yeah, the the gunplay is not fun. It's really complicated. Um, the enemies are way too strong for what you have to do. And yeah, like I said, the the driving controls are just fucked, and it's not fun. But one that is fun that I've been playing is I started playing Skyrim. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm ten years late, everybody, but I'm so glad that I'm here. But uh, don't worry, they just released a new edition. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for Apple Watch, everybody. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> uh, Thanks. I hate it. But <laughs> Liam, you'd actually probably like it. Skyrim's a lot of fun. No, I mean, who who wants to play a fucking game on? Ver Oh, Liam Frost. Oh, he, he, he cut out right before he said Apple Watch. The magic of editing. He's frozen. Yeah, the magic of editing. We'll see. Actually, let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's just play yeah. this out. Um, yeah, so... Oh, oh he's back, I think. Liam's back? Yeah. You're... Hello, can you hear I us? Am I'm aware. Okay, there you that, go. That you're here? You, you, you just froze yes. and you're like... Yes, <laughs> my service provider is going to pay. Yeah. yeah. I, it's also been bad for me, too. Uh, but oh, no. yeah, so Skyrim, uh, finally get into it. Probably played like 12 hours of it so far and maybe a little less than that. 
probably closer to like six or seven. But either way, it's been a grand time. And I didn't think I would like it because I'm kind of a Fallout um, fanboy, you know? That's kind of where I fall in mm-hmm. in the Bethesda and fa- and you're games. not you're not big on like fantasy either. <laughs> exactly. And so I didn't think I was going to like it, but I don't know. It's just something about the world, the way that they build it. It still has a lot of the humor that Bethesda's pretty like good at, at least in terms of having topical jokes in a game that's set like thousands of years in the past uh but it works it functions and i I don't know i really enjoy it um and then i played this game called emily is away which is like a point and click uh game i feel like i've heard of that yeah there's a lot of youtubers that have been talking about it and twitch and stuff I feel like they went back in time to my Facebook page and then just ripped everything that I ever said. I felt very violated, but also at the same time, I was like, fuck, this is really hitting hitting a nerve for me. Basically, you're just having conversations with people on Face Nook is what it's called. That's the whole point of the game. You're having conversations with people. Um, as this story unfolds, you, you're basically you get a you get a significant other in high school in your last year of high school and eventually they just cheat on you or whatever and then you're all sad and bummed um spoilers by the way (laughs) but (laughs) i really i don't know i at first i was like this is kind of fucking boring but i was watching stuff on my other monitor while i was playing it and so slowly i got into it and it takes like maybe three hours to finish the game um but it's i would say it's not worth its price point because its price point is like nine ninety nine or something. I'd probably play a, pay a lot less for it. But according to Steam right now, it's eleven forty nine. Eleven forty nine. There you go. So uh, I'd probably only pay like four dollars for it, but it's still good. Um, and then I just beat it today. Slash also downloaded it today. Uh, it's not a very long game, but it's called The Gunk. Uh, it's on mm-hmm. Game Pass. And the basic premise of the game is you are a space explorer. You land on this planet, and it's infested with this stuff called the gunk. And you suck it up and fight creatures. Well, barely even fight anything. You mostly just explore this world, listen to the cool soundtrack. Um, cool little short story. Game's probably about four to f- six hours, depending on like if you take a break or what. You can beat it in one sitting is basically what I'm saying. Mm. And uh, I actually really liked it. But would I pro- would I play it again? Probably not. You know, I do think there should probably be like expansions. Maybe fly to a new planet. Another planet's getting infested with the gunk or things like that. New interesting weapons, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, no, I didn't mind it. And then I uh, I don't think I mentioned this on the last episode, but I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I'm not gonna say too much about it. It was fine. Um, there's really not much going on in in that movie to really like give it a time of day it was in some ways i was offended that it was even made because there were some plot points and story elements that i found absolutely ludicrous and just bafflingly stupid you know what would be amazing Hmm. if fans and creators actually realized that there's no point in doing a ghostbusters sequel you're never going to do it again. It was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I, yeah. I heard this phrase the other day, requill, and that's very much what it is. It's reboot slash sequel. Oh, um, yeah. But, it, yeah, so it's a requill. Um, treads a lot of the same water. I will say the the girl playing baby Eon, Egon, sorry, I can't remember what her name is right now. Um, McKenna Grace. McKenna Grace. She's fantastic in the film. Uh, she puts on a really 
you know, heartfelt, meaningful performance. Um, Finn Wolfhard is in the movie for pr- roughly 30 minutes total. Um, and I've Paul, heard Finn Wolfhard is Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, he doesn't really do much. Uh, Paul Rudd is also not in it very much. Uh, it's mostly McKenna Grace's film. Uh, but overall, I didn't hate it, but I will never see it again. <laughs> I will tell you that. I have no interest <laughs> in seeing it again. And then finally, one that will transition into Liam's uh, ingestion as well, is uh, Spider-Man Far From No Way Home. Um <laughs> Iron Spider Lad, no way farther from homecoming. That's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so no way home. So I saw it by myself, uh, mostly because I knew uh, we were going to do the show. And I wanted to kind of... Liam's probably going to mention it, but I wanted to be aware of it because it's important to like see these milestones. But also, I wanted to enjoy the internet again. Um, so <laughs> I watched it specifically so I could enjoy the internet. And... Mm. There, with this is a spoiler-free review, basically. Um, I will say, I it's just probably can I just say something really quick before you get into it. Mm-hmm. To all you Spider-Man fans who are acting like you guys are gonna die if you hear anything about this movie, like whether or not people liked it, uh, was it spoiler-free? Just anything. To that, I say, fuck you. If you're gonna let somebody else enjoy somebody else's, uh, it, uh, was it thoughts on a movie? Completely spoiler spoiler three. Uh, free dictate if you're going to like this movie you're the one who needs to be reevaluated. So just to build i need to get that out really be, quick. building on what liam is saying um i asked liam went and saw it before i did and i asked him to not say anything to me specifically unless it was spoiler free i did say that but i also basically said please don't say anything and then as soon as he got out of the theater he texted me i was sleeping so it was fine but i woke up to this message and i was like dude i fucking asked you not to say anything um I don't disagree with what Liam is saying. However, if these people seek out your opinion um, and then get offended, then fuck off. <laughs> like, oh, I've seen it all over. Foolish. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say like, I hate. I've ever gotten to a point now. Maybe it's because I've realized I'm not really a Spider-Man fan. Like, if anything, I've call, I'll call myself a casual fan. Um, but Spider-Man fans have to be the most overbearingly. Fickle and manipulative, uh, manipulated people I have ever seen in my life. Um, I hate Spider-Man fans. N- next to Star Wars fans, I would probably argue. But At least, well, I mean, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, these got good lord. Like, no, just like that's part of why I ended up going to see this movie is because I was like, well, one, I was kind of realized that you know, as a film critic, it's kind of my job to see cultural events like this. Yeah. But also, I knew I was never going to hear the end of it or, like, be able to do anything with it until I saw it. Yeah. Anyway, just touch, continuing to touch on what Liam was saying. Um, like I said, if, if somebody is seeking out your opinion and then they don't like it, like, and then they get offended because of it, that's their problem. I will say that if you're going and messaging people <laughs> and telling them your opinion without them having asked you, then you're the asshole in this situation. They wouldn't care. Yeah, and guess what? They wouldn't care if it were any other movie. But you know, hype and I don't disagree. I don't, I, I don't agree with you. I think I think if you're just messaging people with your review unprompted, it just it kind of makes you seem like a you wouldn't care if it were thing. any other movie. But okay, I don't disagree. I don't agree with you. I feel like if it was a movie that I wanted to see as well, like Nightmare Alley, for example, or um, I don't know, but like. 
I can't think of anything else that's come or uh, uh, Licorice Pizza or something like if it, these are movies that I still wanted to see and you just unprompted messaged me with your review I'd be like oh neat thanks I guess I find it funny either way how you've decided this after this event when any other time of the past again you haven't given a shit <laughs> yeah you were i think you really i think you must be best friends with the devil christian because you really do like playing as advocate either way this is why we're not doing the show after episode 70 everybody <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll hear more about that in the second segment of the show anyway um i i'll give you my review then because you came to this episode to hear it so here you go <laughs> is uh i thought it was good i liked it quite a bit um I would argue it's probably one of the better Spider-Man movies that's probably come out uh, in a long time. Uh, it doesn't hold a candle to Spider-Verse, obviously. Uh, or even, I would argue it's not even as, it's definitely not as well put together as Spider-Man 2. Yeah. In my opinion, it's definitely top five Spider-Man movies of all time. Considering so there's Spider-Man Considering there's <laughs> nine of them, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I would personally probably put it Spider Verse, uh, Spider Man Two, then this one is that, and that's just like I'm not saying that is an end all be all. That's just kind of how I would run the list. Um, without again, without spoiling anything, there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of growth for Peter uh, that you probably haven't seen in any of the other Spider. Uh, Spider-Boy movies, Spider-Iron Lad movies. So I will agree. This is probably the, mo the best I've seen Tom Holland in the role. Yeah. Like, he's not overbearing or super patronizing like you can usually get. Like, there are actually moments where he does have to carry himself a little bit more seriously, and I did like that. Yeah, and he is Spider-Man in this, I would argue. And, like, when it comes to, like, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, one, one thing that really bothers me about him is, like, 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 his performance more or less is, like, fine. But, like, the way he pitches his voice up to sound like a kid, oh, even though yeah. he's, like, a fully adult person and playing a teenager who wouldn't really have this kind of voice anymore, it's it, it really it really bothers me. And it's, it just feels, like, so mismatched and disingenuous. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. He's like, also... Over, mo mostly he's fine, I think, but I, I, I hate that voice. He's so beefcakey in this movie, too. It's weird. Because, like... Oh, he, oh yeah. Yeah, because it's a direct sequel. And mm -hmm. he is just fucking huge <laughs> for being 5'3". But, um, yeah, he's just massive. Anyway, um, yeah, I liked it. I thought, it's a, I thought it was pretty good. I might go see it again. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it'll be one that'll be in the rotation. Then again, a lot of Spider-Man movies aren't really in my rotation anyway. Um, and, but that's all stuff we'll talk about uh, later on in the show. Liam, go ahead. Um, I'll let you have your Spider-Man moment. So here's the thing. This movie is probably one of the most studio, corporate, pandering films I've ever seen in my life and has just about all of my problems with the MCU as a whole and, like, the way things played out. But I mostly smiled when it wanted me to. And, uh... <laughs> Uh, what do you call it? And yeah, I guess I'm a susceptible human after all to some of that stuff. <laughs> um, the corporations got to you, Liam. <laughs> uh, no, I You're mean, in I Feige's still, sweatshop now. Fucker. I still stand by mo all of my convictions and like, uh, what is it? Like, I do have a lot of issues with it, but watching it in the theater and seeing it, I did overall have fun. Yeah. Um, nice. The thing that did kind of suck, though, was that it did kind of uh, 
reinforce how jaded I become about about uh, a lot of fandoms and uh, the way Marvel makes movies, particularly Spider Man fans. Yeah, um, but that's a whole that's a thing that's something for uh, later. Well, I mean, yeah, we touched on it already um, uh, before my internet crapped out. Um, but yeah, we we touched on it slightly. But anyway, um, I also uh, just a couple of other things I watched um, before I get into a rant. Okay. Uh, I watched Jungle Cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was fun. Yeah, I like that movie. Overall, fun. I enjoyed this one. It was kind. Of, it's pretty inoffensive, and like, uh, it's like what you'd expect. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean meets of uh, a Brendan Fraser mummy movie. Yeah, that's exactly. Like what even it some is. element, even some elements seem to be kind of lifted from those movies. Um, but yeah. the reason it works is because they knew how to show. It's very efficient and like they knew how to showcase the charm of their actors and direct it really well where you don't get bored watching it. Mm-hmm. In fact, that movie just sets out to entertain you and it does a pretty good job. Yeah, it's Even, like nothing really happens <laughs> like, like ultimately. So, in a variety, from what I understand, there's a lot of dad jokes in there. And the in this movie, uh, what, yeah, the whole, there's this whole shtick for Rock's character has where he just tells dad jokes. <laughs> Things like, you know, I used to work in an orange juice factory. Then I got canned. Yep. <laughs> Said I couldn't concentrate. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I wonder how many of them he actually came up with himself. Sorry. Yeah. There, um, there's a bit of trivia I'd like to share about Jungle Cruise, and I, I, I learned this from a from a different podcast, so I'm stealing. But um, there's there's a behind-the-scenes thing of The Rock uh, talking about Jungle Cruise. He's like, to prepare for this role... Over the years, uh, uh, you know the, the Disneyland Jungle Cruise ride. I like I like led a couple of those expeditions, and if you, and if you think, uh, Rock, I, I've been to Disneyland a lot. I've never seen you do that. Uh, it's because they all happened in my mind. That's an actual <laughs> thing the Rock said in the promotion for Jungle Cruise. <laughs> He's like, so you just pretended to like be in charge of the ride. Like I'm confused. <laughs> no, but I mean. He's as always. The Rock is very charming and charismatic. Um, Emily Blunt's fun. Um, Jesse Plemons has this ridiculous accent, playing like a uh, essentially. I think he's like a Nazi or German prince. He's a, yeah. He's a German prince who cruises around the jungle in a submarine. <laughs> it's fucking absurd. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of amazing. Yeah, and uh, overall, it was um, it was fun. I enjoyed myself. I just saw it was online, and I was like, oh, I'll watch this. Why not? Yeah. Um, then, uh, I'm going to have a quick rant about something and then I'm going to end on something more positive. Christian and I have been struggling to, uh, hammer through Netflix's Cowboy B-Flop. I didn't think we were going to talk about it, but I'm glad we are. Yeah, no, I'm hoping, I don't, I'm not going to get too much into it because I want to see if my buddy Ozzy wants to do a chat about it. Yeah. But, and I do want to preface, preface this, isn't me being a butthurt fanboy. This show's bad. It's I not mean, really good. bad. Yeah, it's not good. It's not shot a spec. It's shot really poorly. It looks cheap. Like so many fucking Dutch angles. It's ninety five percent of the show is just really is just this. Which, if oh you're what listening to this episode, I'm in a Dutch angle. <laughs> it's ninety five percent of the show, and it's it's very distracting. It and it's All- just like, are you not even fucking trying to make something visually compelling here? Like you, you have millions of dollars at hand, and you're just like, eh, the set's kind of mediocre. Tilt it; that'll make it seem more interesting. <laughs> the only uh, positives I can kind of give it are 
One, Yoko Kano did the score again. Mm-hmm. Cool. Even though most of the music is just reused from the anime. Yeah. And uh, despite it's how... It's updated, though, but sorry. And despite how not very good a lot of her performance are, performances are, the actors are trying. Yeah. If not, some of them are trying too fucking hard. I'm looking at you, Faye. Yeah, no, this show has a, something I hate when it comes to... So, uh, what is it? This did the woke wash thing where it took a bunch of bad faith criticisms about Faye's character from the anime and updated them. And and it does the thing Hollywood seems to only know how to do when write, when trying to write a strong female character. Have them be really brash and swear constantly. Yeah. She makes dick jokes constantly. And, and also, I'm sorry, I know it's such a minor gripe, but... They don't swear that much in Bebop. And I know it's such a minor gripe, yeah. but it they say the F word constantly. Like, I heard Spike say it a couple times in, in a few episodes. And it just, you, you're, detra- you're detracting away from, like, the pathos of your character by just making them vulgar. That's not that's not entertainment. Vul- vulgarity is not always entertainment. Especially in a show that had... Uh, like the source material, which again, it is a little unfair to compare it to the source material, but it is a necessary part of the conversation. Um, <clears throat> like, like I was saying, sorry, the vulgarity is just so overt and constant that it completely pulls any meaning out of anything they're trying to reference, um, pay homage to from the original series. Um, yeah, there's sorry. also of effect, but it's clear of the people working on the show don't understand why the original show worked. I mm. uh, was, if this show was more interested in taking like the action, like fun, like martial arts, uh, uh, space, uh, space cruising, uh, just like kind of really fun, like pulpy elements, but they don't include any of like the philosophical pontification or, um, uh, was it or introspection? Any like, n- like didn't carry over any of the thematic components yeah, there's, of it. Yeah. There's none of that. Like, uh, I've stand by part of why B- uh, was a bebop. The big reason bebop worked is because all of that action shit was icing on the cake, and they actually had a genuine emotional and thoughtful story to tell. Mm-hmm. Something I, I want to it- add on to this a little bit is uh, at some point Christian and Liam like texted me, <laughs> and we're like, "Hey, we're thinking about doing like uh, an episode about the the bebop remake." And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." I opened up Netflix, looked at. I was I was sitting there in my bed looking at Netflix. And uh, I went to the Bebop thing and just stared at it. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> your, your exact response in the chat was like, yeah, I'm not interested in this. Let's not do it. <laughs> We're like, okay. I was like, Copy I don't that. think I could bring myself to watch this. Yeah, we Christian and I have watched, we've only been able to watch like one episode at a time a week. And then we have to stop because we both get pissed off. Yeah, we're on. There's ten episodes, and we're on episode six, so we have four left mm. to go. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not good. You know, and it's already been canceled, but Netflix is still showing their general disrespect towards the animation industry by just going off and remaking shows that were already good and worked. Sorry, I got to do that thing where I back up away from my microphone because I'm going to yell. <laughs> because they were animated. Yeah, it loses, it it loses. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. I think we were about to say the same thing. I was (laughs) going to say, because when you you remake an animated uh, series into live action, you're literally taking away a part of the reason people liked it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've hated it so much. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. 
I I honestly don't want to. <laughs> like yeah. I keep thinking I'm I'm obligated to finish it for the show, but we just had the mm. conversation. Conversation's done. I don't want to yeah. watch it anymore. I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay with not finishing this. There's at one point Liam texted me like uh it's like vicious in the anime and it's like this picture of him like posing cool with a sword or whatever. And then it's like uh, a, a vicious in the live action. He's like bushy bushy. Or something <laughs> like that. Like... He looks like he looks like fucking old man Lord Farquaad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh man. God, I. Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah, nope. Just, just no. That's it. That's it. No. Just um. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so but... Liam, put that on your letterbox. Just, just the, your whole reviews. Just <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> um. And then the last thing I'll say. Because I actually have been enjoying this for the most part. I've been watching Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, surprisingly, I've been enjoying it pretty well. Like, uh, I was going to watch it anyway. Like, out of all the shit Disney and Marvel announced, Hawkeye and was one of the only things I was interested in watching. That and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And Hawkeye, because I'm like, it's about time we gave this guy his due. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a fan of a character from the comics, and I've liked the way Jeremy Renner has been portraying him in the movies, despite being, again, really underused. Um, One thing this show has is that, that is really kind of getting me into it, as opposed to other Marvel things, is that it's very street level, and it's not very, like, spectacle-driven. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you get to see, like, uh, some kind of, like, it, it's kind of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, Lethal Weapon, in the sense that, like, it's set at Christmas and they're kind of going around trying to do this thing. Essentially, the premise is uh, Hawkeye is uh, stuck in New York because he's trying to track down the, Roman co- the Ronin costume after it went missing uh, during the uh, Avengers battle. Um, and uh, he's all and he want, needs to take care of this whole thing be, before uh, he goes back home to Christmas with his family. And he meets a young Archer fangirl, and it's essentially a buddy comedy of them going around and trying to tra- and trying to track it down. While uncovering conspiracy, mystery, and all of that, um, Haley Steinfeld plays uh, Kate Bishop, who uh, uh, is buddy partner in this movie. Who was, uh, what? And uh, at first, I thought she was really, really annoying, but she's grown on me a little bit. Like I think what works here is because um, when she does get patronizing, you have like kind of a more dry, you kind of have a more dry wit humor that's up my alley to hit it back with. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think the way Renner responds to her, or sorry, Clint responds to Kate, is probably the better part of the show uh, in terms of like their dynamic. I personally don't think Haley Steinfeld is doing a great job in the show. Um, also, Florence Pugh appears. It's not a spoiler. It's in the credits. It's it that doesn't spoil anything. Um, but she is so fucking annoying. <laughs> And I love wait, wait. Florence Pugh. Sorry. Sorry, this is you saying this. You never say anything bad about Florence Pugh. She is a perfect goddess among humans. I've she made Midsummer. She is amazing. She has never done she anything wrong. She's never. She's in Midsummer. <laughs> she didn't make it. Um, <laughs> um, but another thing I'll give it is that um, even when he's in a Marvel thing or whatnot, like which arguably doesn't require a whole lot, when Jeremy Renner acts, he really fucking acts. Mm-hmm. Like, there are scenes where they actually just leave the camera on and let him do his thing, and he's actually giving a really good performance. I agree. Um, nice. There's also, uh, again, parts that are surprisingly really funny. There's one joke I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil, but I hadn't laughed that hard in a Marvel thing since um, Wong's bit at the end of Doctor Strange. 
Um, you know, the biggest problems I have with the show are that we're reaching the last episode, and the last few episodes, the last two episodes have gotten a little too plotty and a little too busy. Yeah. And I'm scared the show might have bit on a little bit more than it can chew. But I'll know. But we'll know how that pays out by the end of a week. Yeah, because the uh, next show, the next episode is this Wednesday. So, and I believe yeah. that's the last episode. Yeah. So we're near. We're nearing. Completion. I've, and overall, I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, me too. Nice. All right. <laughs> <It's my> <laughs> that pause. That that's the yeah. review, everybody. All right, Lucas. <laughs> All right. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, I listened to a book recently uh, called Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. Uh And it's it's one of my favorite books I've listened to or read in quite a while. Um, basically, the concept, uh, well, it's about death, for one. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Fun. Uh, so the first scene is just introducing you to the main character, and he's this absolutely despicable person. Like, like he, he, like the first scene is him like listening to this woman who works for him, like profusely thanking him for like let for like keeping her on, and like she's telling him all her problems. He's like, uh huh, uh huh. Well, um, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and so he's just this despicable guy, and then he just he just has a heart attack and dies, like a couple minutes later, and then um. And as he's dead, he's watching his own funeral. <laughs> like, there's three people there. <laughs> and his, like, ex-wife is just roasting him. Nice. Like, the entire time. <laughs> and then his business partner's like, that's a shame. Anyway, back to work. <laughs> uh, and, like, so, basically, and, um, he meets, like, the, he meets, like, this Reaper, who's just kind of a normal person. Uh, and, and the Reaper takes him to, like, this way station where he has to process his death and go through his emotions before he goes through this, this uh, whispering door to pass on to the other side. Um, except he kind of, uh, the P, there's a bunch of people there. There's, a, there's a, like, a dog there who's, like, a ghost as well. And it's, it's this little story about, like, processing. It gets really, really dark, but also it's, it's like, very, like, uh, light and funny at the same time. Like, uh, another ghost shows up, and it was someone who had been murdered. Um, and they're, like, having a lot of difficulty processing their death. Hmm. Uh, and eventually they have to go through the door, and there's this this upper-level guy they call the manager. And, uh, like, uh, uh, Very the, good place. Kinda, kinda, yeah. A little, a little darker than the good place, I think, but I just meant not, in the, in, the perception, in the perception of the afterlife, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, they're not, they're not, like, being tortured or anything like that. Um, they're just at this way station, which is a tea shop owned by this dude, uh, and his, his ghost grandpa, uh, just kind of chilling out. Uh, I, if, if, if my description of it counts, sounds kind of scattered, it's cause it's not, it's not a plot heavy book. Uh, it's just sort of, they're there, things happen. There's a little bit of plot, but mostly and there's, there's a bit of a romance between the main character and the guy who is, um, uh, who owns the tea shop. Who's like the, uh, what do they call him? Uh, what, what's the dude? Uh, the ferryman, the ferryman, mm -hmm. like uh, across the ripsticks and stuff. Um, it's it's a, it's a really lovely book. It's 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 very emotional, very thoughtful. I really I really really liked it. Uh, by T.J. Klune. Uh, he also did uh, House of the Cerulean Sea, which is I think I talked about on the show like a so. year back. Yeah. But I'm I'm really like liking his his work. I'm looking forward to what he does next. Um, uh, second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, I have been watching Amazon's Wheel of Time series. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah. At least I, one of us I go, is. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, for, for context, I have read the first Wheel of Time book. There's eight of them, nine of them? There's like 14 of them or okay. something like that. It's uh, like my cousin's favorite thing of the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not big on Wheel of Time. I read the, I, I couldn't really get into it. I read the first book and like nothing happened for half the book. Um, so I, I wanted to watch it cause I'm, I haven't had like a fantasy show to watch for a while. Uh, and Rosamund Pike is in it and I've, I've liked her and the stuff that, uh, she's been in. Yeah. Um, and like, I, the first episode's not very good. There, there's some cool stuff near the end, but the opening scene is genuinely just like bad. Oh, it, like it, 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 it feels very out of context. It's, it's like shot really badly. Um, and the first episode especially really suffers from... Uh, if you don't need it, cut it right away. You know, like there's no room to breathe at all. Right. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's barely an adaptation of Eye of the World, that being the first book. Like there's, there's some surface level similarities, but like they've aged up all the characters by quite a bit, you know, so they can have sex. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like they do for TV. Um, uh, but, they, but there's, there's quite a bit that I do like about it. Uh, I like Rosamund Pike. Uh, I like a lot of the actors. Uh, there's there's some there's some fun fantasy magic stuff in it, uh, but it's it's not very consistent in its in its quality. Like mm -hmm. every once in a while, it's really good, but I think the budget holds holds it back a little bit, um, because like when they try to do the big cool action scenes, it it just kind of falls apart. Its its best scenes are easily the ones where the characters are just kind of talking to each other. Um, so that's 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 a testament to the actors at least. So that's yeah, good for sure. Uh, and of course, uh, it is, um, it's the most wonderful time of, we of year, as we know. Fast uh, it's No, it's Expanse season. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently, uh, the final season of the Expanse TV show has begun. We're two sep episodes in, uh, and also the final book has dropped recently as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm about 200 pages in. I'm reading it very slowly because I don't want it to end. Uh, but I'm really enjoying uh, the book, and I'm really enjoying the TV series. Though the TV series is confusing me a little bit, um, because they're like, "Yeah, this is definitely the last season of the show," but they're also like, um, the 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 main focus of the season is book six, but also they're weaving in stuff that leads to books seven, eight, and nine in it. Oh, so it seems like they're hopeful for more seasons somehow, somewhere. I, I don't really know. Uh, what's what the decisions are like behind that it's on sci-fi right uh no it was canceled on sci-fi it's on amazon prime right now prime right yeah um but like there's there's only six episodes this season for some reason i think uh i believe they talked about it on one of the after shows and i think it was amazon's decision not not the creator's decisions um but they had i think they had like the same amount of money and they're putting that money on screen. Nice. Uh, there's been several really cool shots. One of my favorites is a character, like the mechanic on the spaceship, has to go outside the ship to repair something. And he's like walking on the side of the ship. But like the camera is like rotating with him. So he's just walking on the outside of the ship. Like, oh, neat. It's, it's really, really cool. The CGI, the effects have gotten a lot better. Uh, and I just, I just love the expanse. So they're really, uh, <laughs> so they're really putting their all into it for their last hurrah. They did. They are. They are. They've said that the the last episode, I think, is like an episode and a half, so it's almost feature length. 
which uh, which I'm excited about. I'm just really confused as to whether or not there's going to be more seasons. Yeah, because they're they're laying the groundwork, and, and like this this groundwork has nothing to do with like the plot of book six. They could like, just be putting it there confusing. just for fan service, but I mean maybe, but like. Because like what, like the they're begin they're beginning each episode with the plot line from a novella called Strange Dogs, which is like vital to to uh, books seven, uh, eight, and nine. So and like they're also dropping other hints like uh, there's there's a faction called Laconia that's like being introduced and they're like the main sort of threat in books seven, eight, and nine. So like I. I'm I'm being really cautious because this is making me excited that like maybe they are gonna make seven, eight, and nine into. Uh, into <laughs> the show, but like, also, I don't want to get too excited. Yeah, don't get your undies book... in a bunch, there, Lucas. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> book eight, book eight's my second favorite book in the series. Because there's some really cool shit that happens in that one. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, there's uh one more book that I read called uh, The Dawn of Everything, and it's it's, oh, it's a nonfiction. It. Yeah, I finished it. It's, yeah. it's a nonfiction book. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it, it but it explores like um. Uh, the lives and like political realities of like uh, pre-civilization humans, uh, not necessarily just like hundreds of thousands of years ago or whatever, but also like just um, indigenous people in like North and South America, and how our understand like the public and like general consensus on the academic understanding of them is like way too simplified. Uh, like there's the Hobbes versus Rousseau like visions where like Rousseau says they're like. Uh, egalitarian bands who resisted any sort of authoritarianism and just kind of wandered and, needed, and ate berries and then the uh, Hobbes version where they were just brutal all against all uh, like factions it was constantly at war blah, blah blah and just neither of those really neither of those theories give any humanity to like those people because like cognitively those people weren't really different from us they had less access to knowledge but like they were conscious and like active thinkers, like they 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 were intelligent people, and we don't really treat them like they are, and that's that's a big uh, part of the book on how uh, it looks at looks at pre civilization humans and such. It's really yeah. interesting. It's a really good read. Fucking nerd. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, right on. That's Lucas's book corner, everybody. Uh, yeah. I, is... Everything I just re I, I talked about two of the TV shows and two books, but also the two TV shows are based Our on books. books. Yeah, so <laughs> that's cool. We have a niche. Um, there you go. Is there anything else anybody else would like to mention? No, no, cool. So, this has been the ingestion for this week. When we come back from break, we are going to be talking about burnout, mm -hmm. um, probably a little bit of personal burnout and how that relates to uh, media and everything like that. So, we will see you after the break. Uh, post show, um, I don't know what we should talk about. Liam, you said you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What a transition. I mentioned this. I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I may make a living on the Thundercast. But for the past twenty years, I've also been a cop. <laughs> I don't know what it would be like if Liam actually was a fucking cop. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Thundercast. Um, yes, I did a fun little turn there into the scene. Uh, it was fun for me. <laughs> it was fun for me. Uh, today we are talking about burnout, uh, which I know has been a topic that we've probably been putting off for a while. Uh, something that we 
probably brought up multiple times on the show over the over the past couple of years because uh, mm-hmm. we've been doing this show for just over three years now, which, wow, uh, that says a lot. And we're only on episode 65. So <laughs> it says more about us than it does about anything. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about burnout. Um, I guess more specifically burnout and how it relates to um, our enjoyment of media, of pop culture, and all those fun things uh mm-hmm. i believe liam might have frozen but this time the two of us are still here so we will yeah. <laughs> maintain Liam usually you, you liam usually uh, comes back pretty quick yeah yeah so carry on um i want to just address something right off the hop that i did mention in the first part of the show uh i don't know if it's necessarily like a huge announcement but i do just kind of want to get it out there uh and it does semi-relate to burnout, so I think it's important that we talk about it. So we will be going on hiatus after episode 70 of the show. So five episodes from now, um, we'll be going on hiatus, uh, at least from the Thundercast. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to be um, exploring new ways of giving you the same sort of content, the same sort of critique, analysis, uh, you know, reviews, uh, just more specifically on our YouTube channel uh, rather than on a podcast forum or anything like that. Uh, Thunder and Dragons will still continue, uh, but the Thundercast will be going on hiatus after episode 70. Part of that is, you know, we've been, like I said, we've been doing this show for like three years. Uh, and not to say we're running out of things to say, because obviously we're going to continue to say things. It just won't be in this format. It'll be in a different format that you can enjoy in a little bit more. Um, digestible um, things rather than a two-hour-long podcast. So uh, I think it'll be better for you. It'll be better for us. Uh, and ultimately, um, like I said, you're not missing any, the, the same. It'll be the same content. It'll just be in a different mm. a different way. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about it. Um, yeah, uh, I would say I'm, I'm kind of excited about the the YouTube stuff we're, we're planning because uh, I don't, like, I don't, re- I, I do listen to a fair number of podcasts, but, like, I don't really know how to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You've had two shows. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But like, like I, I have, I've made way more podcasts than YouTube videos. But like, I'm, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and I I feel like I know the space pretty well. So I'm kind of excited to try that out. Yeah, Lucas is our our YouTube guru, basically at this point. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you want to touch base on with that? I think it'll be refreshing, mainly just because I feel like. Whenever we do a podcast, uh, was it? I feel like I have things to say. It's just more so that when we do it on a podcast, a lot of the time it just turns into us just talking about whatever and getting off track because I'm hanging out with my friends and I don't really get to say anything of actual insight. Yeah, and I think we'll still maybe do the occasional Thundercast. It just won't be um, every two weeks. I know we took a, a short break there for a little while. Part of that was just scheduling and, you know, personal lives and things like that as that happens. And I think that's also something that we're addressing with this change is, you know, <clears throat> our lives are growing and changing and, and whatnot. So we still want to be able to do the show, but we want to do the show the best way that we possibly can. And the best way that we possibly can do that is by shortening or sorry, expanding the release um, schedule for these episodes. They'll probably come out once every 
month or once every two months or something like that. Nothing set in stone, but we will be taking an extended hiatus after episode 70 of the show, which will also be a live show. So look forward to that. Um, that will be because it's every 10. We always do a live show. So it'll be our third and final live show for the next little while. But anyway, um, also, before before we move off this topic, I just looked up. Uh, I just went to my history, my old history of bridge channel mm-hmm. uh, just to see how many uh, views I accumulated on that thing. In time, I apparently uh, got 156,000 views total. Wow. <laughs> That's, so, that's a lot more than I expected. <laughs> weird flex, but okay. No, well, so there you go. Uh, Lucas is our YouTube guru. So look forward to that. There you go. Um, Before me. You'll still be able to see all this stuff on the Patreon page. You'll get it early on Patreon at least. Uh, but everything will still be up on YouTube. Uh, and we'll all be kind of addressing different things. Dan will also be doing some shows. Dan from Thunder and Dragons. Uh, he'll also be doing some stuff here and there. Uh, same with me, Liam, Lucas, Will, and and also as you know, bringing in some new people to do sketches, skits, things like that. So there's lots of fun stuff that's in the horizon for uh, 2022. So be stoked on that. Anyway, I'm burnt out, boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> burnt out on a lot of things. I uh, I think Indeed. biggest things that we want to address with this is just like the reasons behind the burnout. Um, I think for me, this conversation is definitely going to be a little bit more personal than it is, um, uh, societal or, or influenced by media or anything like that. Cause, uh, I've noticed over the past little while that most of the time when I go to the movies or I go see a major mo- motion picture or a blockbuster or anything like that, which are a dime a dozen nowadays, rather than going and seeing like, you know, an indie art house film or like when we saw the green Knight, we did that entire episode that was still blockbuster esque because it was a wide release, but didn't receive as much attention as it probably deserved in my opinion. But, um, <clears throat> when I go to a movie now, I more often than not leave the movie and say to the people that I went with or say to myself, that was okay. Or like, I'm not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting the same joy I used to by going to the movies anymore. Same thing with watching stuff at home and stuff. I just don't get the same enjoyment of seeing movies. And that fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks I'm, so bad. When you, like, when you like, fall in love with something so hard and it, it just, you just stop enjoying it. Yeah, the romance. That's what I've been having. Okay. That's what I've been having for like the past two years. Didn't need to say okay, mm. but yes. Um, yeah, like the yeah the romance is just kind of like losing. It it's just like the honeymoon stage of of being a, a film goer is is no longer entertaining anymore. You know, uh, for you me know, personally, my, I've had that for a while, and I have my thoughts as to why. Um, and a lot of it comes into uh, breaking down like where cinema is at right now. And I come down, and the biggest thing I'll come down to, there are a lot, there are far smarter people that have talked about this that are more qualified to than I am. And I've had discussions with a number of people about this, but the biggest problem that I think it's coming from is that I feel like I'm not really seeing actual stories being told or any of that. I feel like I'm seeing fan service or flattery. Yeah. I, I and I feel I... like, and the problem, the other problem is that. I feel like movies right now, at least uh, major blockbusters or whatnot, occasionally I'll see something that really impresses me that's more indie. Movies right now, or the movies that are making big money right now, are made by committee and not visual or... 
Oh, oh we no. Lost, we lost Liam again. Oh, no. That's all right. He'll bounce back as per usual. But I think will, to re- reiterate kind of what Liam is saying, yeah, it's it's when you go to the movies now, more, more often than not, you'll, you'll see written by and then you'll see four or five names, right? You'll see yeah. like three to at least three names for most screenplays. Like, sorry, Liam, you cut out. You were saying written by committee. I feel like they've been written by, uh, was it written by committee as opposed to vision or uh, was by actual vision or artistic integrity? Yeah. Like, um, I understand filmmaking is a collaborative medium, but I feel like we're not getting movies made by filmmakers anymore or like uh, storytellers. We're getting movies made by studios and um, online forums. Yeah, like, like I, I was going to push back a little bit on like, uh, saying that like uh, filmmaking by committee uh, like being a bad thing because like I, I do think generally collaboration makes for better movies but the thing is the most powerful collaborators like you said are not filmmakers they're not story t- storytellers they're they're the fucking executives they're businessmen the, yeah. or businessmen fan, yeah or fanboys on the internet who complain until they get their way so yeah, yeah exactly <clears throat> you've said that a lot on the show and and this is not a criticism of you I understand what you're saying when you say this I think what you're trying to say when you say that, when you say, you know, it's written by Redditors or it's written by um, people on 4chan or it's written by this, it's written by that. I think what you're saying is, um, and I mean, you kind of already just said it, but that, you know, when we get things like the Snyder Cut, when we get things like the petition for um, minor spoiler for Spider-Man, but uh, when you get like petitions like release ASM 3, right? Or where where's the air cut? I'm talking more so about when... uh. The worst kind of fandom has a reaction to something like, uh, uh, what is it? Um, like say, uh, easy example, The Last Jedi. Notice how the worst type of fans had the worst response there. Yeah, it, the movies are not being we... literally written by these these yeah, mobs. Yeah, like, They're figuratively, figuratively yeah. being written by these mobs. Reactionary. I think that that's a big problem. That that when we go to see movies or whatnot, that that I've noticed is a lot of movies are reactionary, especially like. Um, not genre films. Um, uh, franchise films. Duty. Yeah, mm. franchise mm. films are typically as they carry on, they become more reactionary to reviews that have happened in the past. Yeah, because because the because oh, the businessmen are in charge, and they're like, okay, people didn't like this about this movie, uh, so let's not include this, or, or they're asking for this, so let's give them this, and it's it's not about like I think we've are kind of already said this, but like it isn't about telling a good story. It's about just like serving people what they want on a plate, mm-hmm. which like like, um, like like looking into what people want for stories like is not inherently a bad thing, but it's when you but when it's your like like uh, main drive for for movies, it's like it it just ends up with a lot of the same. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a cinematic landscape where we can have movies that are literally just made as gift wrap fan service. I uh, was it which uh I, what. Lately, so many general audiences have been conditioned to uh, seeing as, and I'm going. I'm going to try and say this without throwing out of my life, uh, throwing up in my mouth a little bit. Respect for the fans. Where I'm like, uh, no, this is flattery, and capital pandering. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I 100% agree. Uh, and like it, it's when when I hate it when I'm watching a movie and they do something that I read about on Twitter that like someone suggested on Twitter. Right. It's, it just feels, it just feels so 
I'm struggling to find a word, but like disingenuous is the closest I'm coming, but I don't think that's quite the right word. Uh, but like, that, the, that general vibe, you know, it just, it just doesn't feel like it was a gen, a thing that a, a person, a storyteller actually wanted to do. Yeah. It was, like it was, it's there for, or, yeah. Or Sonic flossing. It's there, it's there to make money. It's there to promote the film, to make memes, to sell more product, which mm-hmm. I mean, I've been a proponent of the argument that uh, these things are okay. It's not, it's not bad to have studio films. It's not bad to have movies that encourage this spending and stuff. I don't, I'm not a huge capitalist or anything like that, but I'm just saying that it does promote filmmaking. And by proxy, the people who work on these films, like, you know, you have like a first AD or something that goes and works on um, some big action Marvel movie and then gets the opportunity to take a couple weeks off and go and work on a smaller indie indie film. Um, they're promoting the culture of art, right? They're promoting mm-hmm. the creation of art. Um, I'm not everybody does that, obviously, but you know, some people get a big break by by working as one of these five names on a screenplay and then get the opportunity to then go and write something of their own and, you know, therefore create more and more and more. Right. I've barely seen any of that, especially in the past little while. Most of what I've seen, like, yeah, like, um, we live in a, uh, we live in an age where we have some like veteran filmmakers who could go apparently make things at the top of their craft, but nobody's going to see them because, Mm -hmm. um, they aren't fitting like, uh, because studios, well, one, aren't putting their back into it and trying to get people out to go see them. They're us- literally just using them as placeholders. Like, uh, uh, was it? Or, again, people just aren't going to see them because, oh, it doesn't have the most topical meme at the moment. Or, um, like, I'm sorry, like, as much as I disagree with Ridley Scott's uh, claim on it, I'm going to defend him a little bit for why he's as frustrated as he is about the last duel underperforming. And why, uh, and why, uh, what... And why Ben Affleck has stepped away, saying, I'm not doing IP for movies anymore. What, what Again, did he say? Essentially, what Ridley Scott said, and Ben Affleck uh, backed him up on, is Ridley Scott said the reason why The Last Duel underperformed is because but, uh, theaters are dominated by fan are dominated by moviegoers who are so, are so preoccupied flipping away at their phones, looking at topical memes, and are more interested in 20-second entertainment than being emerged in a filmmaking experience. Yeah. And to be honest, I agree with him. Not, I don't think it's entirely on the audiences. I think it's because studios have gotten so good on capitalizing on superficial trends that we have conditioned people to only go out to see that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, and also, and also, like going out to a movie theater uh, is no longer the only way to see movies. I, I still think it's the best way to see movies, but like, if you're not super excited about a movie or like the communal experience of seeing a movie together. Then you're probably just gonna watch it on Netflix, like it's, or or like on whatever streaming platform you have, like it's it like it be going to the theater to see a movie is like for most people I think too much of an inconvenience for the reward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think also, and here's the other thing that really pisses me off is that when people like um, uh, Ridley Scott or Martin Scorsese say these things, they immediately get dragged by a bunch by a. Oh no! Now we lost Liam. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah. What is the fucking so, internet? So, uh, just gonna mention this uh, because you probably already noticed it, but I'll put this at the top of the episode too. Um, internet is fucked. 
right now. Apparently. Uh, Liam's internet, my internet. Um, hey, Shaw, if you happen to be listening to this, fuck. Fix your shit, please. <laughs> fix your fucking shit. I'm my pissed. God. you got to be fucking kidding me. There we go. Yeah, See, he's Liam, back. There you go. <laughs> Liam's joined the conversation. <laughs> uh, Liam has entered the chat. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm burnt out on this fucking bullshit internet. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Okay. Mine, mine, mine's the only one that hasn't crashed, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like nervous that it's gonna crash any second. Yeah. Now. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, sorry. What was the last thing Liam was saying? Was saying that when filmmaker that when filmmakers like Ridley Scott or Martin Scorsese say these things, they immediately get dragged by the online community, saying like, "You just don't respect us audiences or what we want." Yeah. And it's like, uh, no. These guys have been in the industry for a long time and have made a lot of, I'd argue, some of your favorite movies and are criticizing where they believe this, uh, what is a where cinema is going right now. And to be honest, I think they have every reason to be concerned. Like, these guys, they never need money again. They make movies literally just because they want to at this point. Yeah, that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. I do think it is a little unfair to um, blame audiences for going to go see these movies. Because, like I was saying, these major motion pictures do fund smaller pictures later on. It, it's not necessarily all the time, but I am leaning more to agreeing with you in terms of the idea that um, these movies are being seen by uh, people who probably don't give a shit about it anyway and are just kind of there to, to have a conversation around the water cooler or the locker at school, right? Um, I do think the unfair part comes from... It, it does kind of seem like a generalization of younger generations, um, which is a little unfair because a lot of these people are going to be the next people that are uh, in cinema and are going to be making movies that you might like in 10, 15, 20 years. So I think the, un the there is a marginalized amount of people in this group that we're, we're talking about that are the future of film. Um, having said that, there's a large majority. There's a grand majority of people that probably could give less of a fuck about what's happening on the screen more so. I When I saw Spider-Man, for example, I had these this group of kids behind me. Um, teenagers, probably no more than 15 or 16, maybe even younger. They, they're talking, full volume, throwing candy, things like that. That is teenagers in a nutshell. Um, but I think the respect for theaters and the respect for cinema is reserved for a very specific type of person like us, for example. I mean, I, it does sound a little pretentious for me to say that because that is kind of me putting myself on a pedestal in a way of saying, like, I appreciate cinema differently than you do. It's like, shut the fuck up, Christian. But in a way, like, I've said this before, I mean, Le Lucas and I have pieces of paper that say we can have these conversations. That's part of why we started the podcast to begin with was because we wanted our opinion to be heard. And I think when it comes to filmmakers talking about these problems and these issues... Um, especially renowned filmmakers talking about these these problems and these these issues, putting them on the back burner and their opinion on the back burner is more detrimental to the conversation than you could ever even even do anything about. Like right, like you're you're basically putting down, like Liam was saying, you're putting down these people that they don't need to make movies. They choose to make movies, right? They they choose to make film, 
um, a lot of people um, don't recognize that and will go and see Marvel Spider-Led the fifth, you know, because it's the biggest thing to come out. And I mean, it's a cultural milestone for sure, but it's, it's the biggest thing that's come out in a long time. Um, sorry, I'm losing track of my mind. Uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I here? think one thing, but I think one thing to really discuss is like, uh, cause we're all cinephiles. I think one thing to, that we really need to narrow down is why do we go to the movies and why is, and why do we love cinema and why is it that we're, what is it that's making it so hard to enjoy it? Like, before, uh, before, we, could before really... we jump before we jump into that, but that I'd like to add a little bit to the previous conversation. Um, like I, I feel like the um, like the the old filmmakers blaming the new generation and the generation blaming the old film filmmakers for like film not doing very well right now, aside from like huge franchises. I think that's really oversimplifying what's happening because I think there's just been a cultural shift away from cinema. And like that's, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not going to make a moral judgment either way. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing that is happening. We like we have, we have so much entertainment. We have so much access to entertainment and information, like just at home, and with TVs and sound systems getting as big and as and as high quality as they have, the need to go to the cinema has fallen a lot. Like one of the reasons cinemas became really popular in California, for example, is because they were one of the only places that had air conditioning. Like it was, it was a convenience to go there. And now, if I want to watch a movie, I don't have to go to the to the movie theater. Like I can just pull up net, pull up Netflix, and I have dozens, if not hundreds, of options. Like the movie theaters, I honestly think like the movie industry is essentially dead at this point. Like we have like not not fully, but like it's it's like it's on life support. Yeah. The the life support is Marvel basically, uh, just big franchise films. And like again, that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing that is happening. How you how you feel about it is up to you. But you can't really just blame the new generation or blame the old generation for what's happening. It's it's a cultural shift largely influenced by technology. Yeah, I guess that that's fair. That's reasonable. Um, I don't have much to add. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, I know, I've just lately also been very frustrated with general audiences, but pe particularly people I've been talking to um, for partially personal reasons is that I know a lot of people who really go off and complain movies aren't good anymore because they're all like the, oh, was it, they're all just superheroes, Star Wars, or like movies uh, made by committee or like online forums where I'm like, a lot of great movies being yeah. made. Just yeah, and I, do what I, yeah, and I say to them straight up. You know, for people who really seem to hate that mentality, you the people I'm hearing this from the most are the people who only go to the theater to see, like, major blockbusters. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean... Or, like, that's the only thing they watch, or but just because they want to be part of a discussion or, like, be a part of a trend. But, I mean, yeah, we, I mean we, like, you and I... I, I, I want to say a little thing. I don't think it's there's anything wrong with wanting to be part of a trend or a cultural moment. I agree. Like, it's, 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 it's just... Like humans are very communal, tribal animals. Like that's 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 perfectly normal. And that's why that's why a lot of these big things. Like a lot of people who go see like the new Spider-Man don't necessarily care about Spider-Man. They're going because like they want to be a part of it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad I just, thing. I mean, but it, I just... it's not it's not necessarily great for cinema as an industry. But 
like at, on a personal level, I don't think there's anything. Wrong. Just, yeah, like I didn't you find... didn't you literally say that at the top of the episode? That's why you went so to go I see Spider Man. Right? So I could be critical of it and analyze the culture it informed. And I've just noticed a very troubling sheepish mentality among it among a lot of this. Well, humans are basically sheep. Like that's just what humans are. Yeah. <laughs> to a um, large extent. Yeah, I mean, I I'm perplexed by a lot of this because I feel like a hypocrite having this conversation right because i also go and see and have i saw fucking ghostbusters i saw i saw mm -hmm. spider-man no uh no way home i saw I've, I've seen these these major motion pictures part of it is i like going to the movies um mm -hmm. or at least i think i do and i think i like going to the movies so part of it is the movies that are the theaters that are near me aren't showing these smaller pictures yeah, if I yeah, want. like like the yeah, one of the reasons it's hard to go see, uh, like you you can't like a lot of these movies aren't like uh different movies aren't doing well. It's really hard to go see them. Yeah. Um, there's also the fact that um one thing I've noticed a lot with movie theaters. I was talking to a friend of mine about it recently, is that he actually got a call from a theater recently, asking if he still wanted to go see a movie, of a movie he had bought a ticket for, because he was only uh he was only like one of five people who bought a ticket. So that they could uh, reserve a screening for another Spider-Man screening. What was the film? He was going to go see Nightmare Alley, which I also still really want to go see. Yeah. But apparently that's, I'd argue that's also why we haven't been able to see after the last duel underperformed of a weekend or on, or on its opening weekend. Like Lucas and I had looked at like five theaters to try and go see it, but it had immediately been had theaters reserved for other major blockbusters. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, like uh, we over text, we tried to like plan a screening like to go to go see the last duel like four or five times a couple times a couple times it was just because like life things got in the way we just couldn't work it out but also like it like it 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 went out of theaters so quickly yeah and and like when it, when it came back in certain theaters it was just it was really hard to find like a showing we could get to yeah i remember when i went to go see inherent vice for example inherent vice paul thomas anderson's not last film film before that and I saw it on Christmas or uh, Boxing Day at, at a movie theater not far from where I live, and it was super easy for me to get to go see that, and it was accessible. Great. I'm trying to find tickets for Licorice Pizza. There is not a single movie theater in our city that is that is playing that film, at least mm -hmm. broadcast so far. We're five days away from that movie coming out. Typically around this time, you could buy a ticket for that movie. I can't. I can't find anything, and that's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Because yeah. I just want to, I just want to fucking see yeah, the like PTA I, movie. <laughs> like, like, he's I my really favorite director. Why would I not want to go see this movie? I want to go. It's yeah, I really want to go see more independent. Uh, was it more like creative-driven films or whatnot? But now theaters or whatnot and studios are making it even harder because they want to uh, just sell as many things for the one thing as as much as possible. Yeah, I think I'd like to yeah. double back a little bit, Liam. You asked a question earlier. Um, why? do we like to go to the cinema? Because yeah, I have a, like, because this is, yeah, I really want to know what you guys think, because there's a reason why, um, uh, what is it? Why I'm as burnt out as I am, and it's because it's a perversion of why I go to the theater, and why I love movies and art so much. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is it? I'm curious. So. I'll let you start off. I love hearing stories, and having things told to me. I get, especially when, one of the joys of art and media is that, uh, and uh, again, stories, media, movies, com comics, all of that, 
is because you get immersed in this story. It gives you what you need for the first little bit of time for the for, for while you're watching it. And then at the end, if it's done right, you take something away. And you can actually influence or inspire you after. That's what I would argue is catharsis in viewing or watching something. You had this story told to you, and then it's like it leaves you with the tools. You close it, and now you could go and actually like live your life or try to do... Uh, was it do your own your own thing after? Like, uh, was it take what you've learned ha from having the story told to you? Right now, we're not making movies with catharsis or any of that. What we're get all we're getting or at is least movies. that are cathartic for yeah. you, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, what do you call it? And but you want to know why I don't find any catharsis in this? Because so many movies now, especially major blockbusters, are made in closure in only closure. And uh, what is it? And uh, fan service. Like Lucas has once said that the reason why Avengers Endgame will never be as good as why you was as when we first saw it in the theater is because their focus was not on putting any catharsis into or anything to take away out of what you just watched or what you just watched for the 10 years you just invested your life into. It was more so on just coasting on the fact that there was closure. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's fair. Um, and again, also why I go is because if I wanted to hear my own, why I'm so frustrated with a fan service thing is because if I wanted to see my own movie or whatnot, or just something that I specifically only wanted to see, I would go make it, or I would be talking to myself and drawing it out or just laying in my bed and dreaming. Like when I go, I want to see somebody have a creative voice and show me something amazing based on what they want to see or what, and what they hope we would enjoy. Like, there's a reason why I will always, why I argue the Raimi Spider-Man movies have stuck with people more than anything Marvel has ever put out. Because they were very much Sam Raimi movies. Mm -hmm. And they were movies Sam Raimi really wanted to see with Spider-Man that really connected with people and got them going to the theater. And now everything else that's comic book driven, at least as far as Marvel Studios goes, is just, is doesn't feel like it was made by, made with that mentality at all. It felt like it was made... It was directed by the studio. And I was even on break talking to Lucas about like why I like why the Suicide Squad was such a relief for me is because it felt like it was made with that mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and like, I, I, I feel like uh, to add on to that a little bit. I don't I don't necessarily think it has to be a single person's like creative vision, oh, but absolutely. you need you need a creative vision that everybody is on board with. Yeah. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be like developed by one person. Uh, it, it it that can that can certainly help to keep it consistent. But like there needs to there needs to be like some something interesting about it, like 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 a voice to it, you know. And and a studio made stuff doesn't have that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think for me, um, my my reasoning for wanting to go to the theater is, I yeah, I I guess it it is kind of an extension of what you you guys are talking about. For me, it's like escapism right? Like, I like going to the movies because, yeah, I also like seeing stories happen. I like somebody telling me something. And I can always recognize, or at least I, I think I can recognize, when something is a good story being told to me versus a story that's being screamed at me or yelled at me, right? Like, they're, 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 there's a very fine line between the two of them. I think a, a, another part of it for me is the technical side of things and, you know, seeing something on a larger screen, hearing the sound, 
um, it's a, it's a sensory experience for me, right? Like it, I get the sights, the sounds, the smells of going to a movie theater. Movie theaters have very particular scents that oh, I you, didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, these two can't smell. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's uh it's a very specific type of sensory overload that's that's comforting for me, right? And uh, yeah, seeing something on a larger screen you see more detail there there's more you you get a larger scope of the technical ability of things being being unfolded in front of you um sound everything like that that i don't necessarily get at home um i have a pretty good sound system at home i have a projector i have a movie theater just right behind this wall um that i like to watch movies in it's not the same right yeah um, I think the audience going experience is really integral and important, even if the audience is only five to seven people. Like when I saw Inherent Vice, there was like 10 people in the theater, including me. Um, or I'll never forget seeing Scott Pilgrim versus the world with a friend of mine and us being like one of two of the only 10 people in the theater. Exactly. Right. And that also makes it feel special, too, because you feel like you're kind of in an exclusive club versus like going and seeing Endgame and not being able to move because there's too many goddamn people around you. Um, but yeah, I think the catharsis, the escapism are really important parts of storytelling for me just as a, as a, as a storyteller myself, as a, as a, as a viewer, everything like that. Um, because, you know, day to day shit sucks most of the time. And so um, it's nice to go see something that is imaginary, most oftentimes imaginary, or has elements of, of imagination and, and you know, a, a larger scope of, of somebody's creativity than it is than just watching, you know, the same schlock on TV all the fucking time, right? I can, to give an example of what uh, was it, so... With the whole, like, escapism thing, that is definitely a part of it for me. One thing I was thinking about, though, is that when it is just pure escapism, Amber's nothing there. I feel like it kind of can become just, like, when it is just escape from reality, you always have to wake up eventually. Oh, and when sure. you do, it can be devastating when, like, there's nothing you took away. Like, I would think back to, uh, I've, like... I spent all of this time just binging something where I'm like, I could have been doing so many other things just because I wanted to get away from my reality. What I, what I always hope when I go in to see something is to have something come, uh, was it come out of it and just maybe th give me, not exactly change my outlook on the world, uh, was it, but at least give me a new tool or something to cope with my existence. Oh, sure. I an mean, easy, I, I yeah, think... An easy, um, an easy example I could give is, um, like, you want to know why uh, the, something like The Last Jedi has might have become my favorite Star Wars movie? Because the catharsis of that movie is it trying to tell me to grow beyond needing a Star Wars movie to cope with existence. The reason why uh, Cowboy Bebop is my favorite show of all time is because by the end, you realize that you spent all this time watching or through it, but then it's like, now it's time to go out and face reality again. Right. And take what you learned, and not just live through a daydream. I think, yeah. I think for me, Liam, our definitions of escapism are probably a little different. Because, like, the way that I see it is, when I go to a movie, I'm going on like a a vacation more than I'm escaping, right? And when you go on vacation, you typically buy a souvenir and bring it home with you, 
And so if I'm going on a good vacation, i.e. going to see a good movie, I'm going to take things away from that movie that I can then apply to my life or apply to my, my own creativity and my own um, interests and, and likes and wants and everything like that. So I think there's definite times where I watch trash purely to just to have noise, to have something on in the background. I think some people can do that and some people can't. Um, some people can have that version of escapism versus going on vacation. Um, when I go to a movie, I'm, I'm trying to go on vacation from life for two hours, two to four hours or whatever, right? Because the entire movie going experience is typically like three to four hours if you include everything that's involved with it. So like that three to four hours of my life is ideally a vacation away from what I'm, I'm and want or have currently. And some vacations are good and some vacations are bad. And I think... Um, more often than not, I'm seeking a good vacation and I get a bad one. Like I, I want to go, I want to go to uh, God fucking damn it. My Way. Oh, oh, you're back. Oh, oh, okay. oh, you're back. You're back. We're good. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> I was saying something good too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this connection, maybe the drugs. studio trying to stop us from telling people to wake up. <laughs> wake up. Shit. Foggy's interfering again. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to go on vacation. The sweatshop. I want to go on vacation more. Is all I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, when it comes to why I go to the theater and why I like stories and such, being a bit of a hermit, somebody who just like likes to stay home and like gets uh, like physically exhausted by spending too much time with people, um, movies and books and shows and stuff are are a way of experiencing like very human things like like sort of viscerally uh and especially going to a movie theater with like a big maybe this maybe this is just the theater kid in me but like when i go to a movie i love having like an energetic crowd mm -hmm. like a big energetic crowd like it's some of my favorite theater experiences are not my favorite movies like one like I'll, i i i will live for the rest of my life one of one of my favorite movie going experiences being Endgame. Even though I don't really love that movie, that experience with all the super energetic fans was fucking phenomenal. I had a, uh, the same thing even with a movie I don't like very much. Mm -hmm. The only midnight screaming screening I've ever seen when I went to go see The Dark Knight Rises. Mm -hmm. As much as I really don't like that movie, that was one of the greatest theater experiences I ever had. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do, I do genuinely really like Force Awakens, but like the that uh, opening night experience of seeing it was better than the movie itself, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, another another really great theater experience I had was Inside Out. I sort of accidentally went to go see it, <laughs> but like I, I like the the crowd was energetic. They were laughing at the right moments. They were crying at the right moments, and like you, you feed off their energy, and like you, you kind of become one with the horde. Uh, in in those moments, which is which can be a really gratifying experience. Uh, so, yeah, for for me, that's kind of what the theater is best at. And again, maybe that's just my theater kid coming out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's that that's a large that's a large experience why I why I love uh, going to the theater. Uh, but also, it's it's kind of expensive to do that nowadays. <laughs> that's true. But what about like what about when it comes to outside of like the theater experience, but like uh, stories or storytelling as a whole? Uh, uh, storytelling as a whole, again, experiencing humanity uh, through through the eyes of somebody else, through somebody else's perspective, uh, is a big draw. Also, just fun is a big draw. 
like you got to you got to have you got to have some fun otherwise like what's the point of of like going around and living yeah and movies are stories are one of the best ways to have fun especially like sharing them with other people um if you ain't uh, busy you... living you're busy dying <laughs> and also just like and oftentimes I'll, I'll i'll watch stuff alone and have like an equally uh like intense experience just having like a really internal experience you know yeah yeah for sure can i i want to ask and propose the final question of this episode as i feel like this has probably been one of our most informative episodes over the past like couple months um what would make you not burnt out anymore like what what like what would do it for you to be excited to go to the fucking movies again you know um if we started getting if there was more variety again and going to the screen into the theater that would be help a lot if like uh, everything wasn't just uh uh was it star wars or marvel um or like just disney shill stuff if um we started to reach a point again where like like again if more movies were coming out that were very uh director or vision uh, was a creative creative vision driven like because i don't want to say director because uh when one director dictates the entire vision that you get shit like the star wars prequels Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but no like uh things like that like with more of a distinct voice and not like everybody just trying to do the same thing because like they saw what how it looked on a focus in focus groups like it -hmm. depresses me how like even after winning his oscar Guillermo del Toro has trouble getting movies financed because they don't because they're too distinct from the public from the uh from like the things that are making really big money right now. Right. Right. I'm yeah. I'm 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 genuinely trying to find an answer to that question and I don't really know if there is anything right now. Like I'm I'm just not like I'm just not super big into movies anymore. Yeah, we and talked I about uh, this a few times. Yeah, yeah and like there, like there are movies that I absolutely love and movies I'm excited to see, but as like a medium, I just, I think I, I like I, it could just be the place I'm in right now, just being really burnt out by by big big studio shit. But just movies as a medium doesn't excite me anymore. Yeah. That's there's reasonable. certain stories that I look forward to, certain like storytellers that I that I that I look forward to hearing from, but the medium doesn't really do much for me anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Um I think I watch movies for the most part because and and television and and whatever. I watch that stuff because I I mean I do like the art. I love the technical side of things. I love um, just like the, the overall work that needs to go into things. Um, but honestly, I think for me, it's going to be making stuff of my own that will make me excited to go do stuff again. Mm. Or sorry, go, go see stuff again. Um, <clears throat> so guess what fuckers? This has been a commercial for the thunder, <laughs> thunder does click. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Thanks for turning this into everything we just criticized Marvel for. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, no, oh, I, I, yeah, I think part of it for me is, is going and making stuff again and, and being excited to do that. Because uh, th- that's always been a thing that I've told Liam in the past is, is like the, these movies that you want to see, these things that you want to be 
you know, ex excited for, just go make them. And it's like, well, it's not that easy, obviously. It's not easy to make movies. It's not, you know, it costs money, it costs time, it costs energy, it costs people um, sometimes. So you want to be able to create, but also um, be excited about creating. And I think for me to be excited to go see other people's creations, it's about being excited to make my own stuff, personally speaking, at least. Uh, so yeah, I'm burnt out <laughs> full circle, everybody. Full yeah. circle. Yeah. There we go. I don't know if it, do we have anything else we want to put, put down on the table here? I don't know. I just, I just think that like when it comes to like interesting creator based, uh, or creative, like focused, uh, uh, entertainment, there's so much more interesting stuff going on, like online mm -hmm. than there is in any movie studio out there yeah. except for maybe a24 but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. i don't know focus puts out some interesting stuff true 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 true. that's true yeah yeah um, i guess like or just like yeah like when i think of like what's putting up a really interesting stuff right now it's usually um a24 or um i was it or focus and i don't know occasionally blumhouse occasionally mm -hmm. yeah that's true uh so that has been our conversation on burnouts. If you feel like you want to join the conversation, go to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash thunderlizard collective. Uh, you can also go and write your comments down in the YouTube video here. That'd be really fucking sweet. We'd love to have that conversation with you. You can also reach Smash out Smash that like, like <laughs> button, hit subscribe, and the bell. <laughs> hit the bell. Yep, and now be... <laughs> Jeremy Johns embodying it's, the worst of film criticism. You know what sucks is we have to sh to shell our, our to sell ourselves right now, um, which is so ironic and hypocritical considering the conversation we literally. Just I honestly I don't even worry about uh, hypocrisy anymore because just like there's so there's a big group of people that are hypocrites and it's called everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm just I'm just not even really worried about that anymore. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you bunch of hypocrites. We'll see you right after the break. All right, we'll be right back. We Us. talked about this last. Uh, there must oh, be a last post show. No, we talked about the Seuss Cinematic Universe. We did not yeah. talk about the existence of a Who Christ. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a Who Christ. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Thundercast. I forgot to do something at the end of the last segment that I normally do. And I usually say we're going to go for a wonderful, wonderful edition of... That's right. I messed that up this time, so I'm glad we got it here. Fuck uh, you, Internet. <laughs> fuck yeah. the Internet. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, yes, we're doing Cool Wars. Cool Wars is a game we like to play at the end of every single episode of the Thundercast in which we pit two things against each other that are either cool or uncool um uh, based off of an arbitrary list that we made up entirely of our own accord if you would like to know the definition of cool feel free to go google it yourself liam what do we have on the docket today today we're going to do something a little different instead of pitching characters together we're going to pitch two studios because those came up a fair bit when uh, we were talking about the problem and, and burnout of what we're facing that is right what are our studios so first, we're going to have Disney. Mouse House. Versus the Warner Brothers, Amber Sister Dot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. So, yes, Disney versus Warner Brothers. Liam, can you put six minutes on the clock today? Uh-huh. We're lowering that number down a little bit. Because I feel All like right. this is going to be a hate. This is going to be a hate 
<laughs> um, All right. Are you guys ready? Yes. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Let's jam. I like Disneyland. <laughs> that's Disneyland not a studio. That's a theme park. True. But it's owned. It's owned by a studio. <laughs> I I like. Uh, fuck Disney. Yeah. Fuck uh, Disney. I think. Are we done? <laughs> um, so there are so both these studios over the years like we can't just talk about them now we have to talk about them for over existence True. both studios have given us great shit and i are and pieces oh, yeah. of media i know we've all loved mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like what some of my favorite movies have come from both studios yeah yeah for sure um, I, it's it's hard not to when you think of movies like some of the first things that you think of are disney films even then, some like, movies that you think of are Warner Brothers films, right? And you probably don't even – it's subconscious. You probably don't even think about it, right? But, like, when I think, what is what is one of my favorite movies? A goofy movie? Done, mm -hmm. right? I, there you go. Like, and I think of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or I really love Inside Out, which is Pixar, but Pixar's owned by Disney. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Dark Knight. That's a Warner Brothers film, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, um, when it comes to the upsides of Disney, yeah, Disney has, has managed to put out continuous, uh, motion pictures that are blockbusters or have made a lot of money. That's not necessarily cool, but the cultural impact of, of Disney films is really integral to art, to, uh, conversation to a lot of things that are happening just like in our public zeitgeist um mm. and the same thing Disney's, applies to this long-term business plan was fucking brilliant yes like ingratiate themselves with the heart in the hearts and minds of children so they will stay brand loyal into adulthood yeah and then and then indoctrinate their children mm. right yeah, I mean, indoctrination. It, it is it's indoctrination yes <laughs> more or less though there are things in that sense disney has done which has not been cool such as their uh, first cent for like almost an entire century for anti LD LGBTQ rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Like, there's a reason why crude imagery gets slipped into Disney movies a lot, which is because they would not hire they would hire animators or refuse to hire them based on what they knew their their personal preferences were. Yeah. Mm. So like. Which is why there's a big picture, there's a big dick slipped onto the Little Mermaid poster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and SFX, it's sex. Yeah. Come on. Um, and when it comes to Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has done the same thing. Like, I mean, not necessarily in terms of of massive cultural impact in terms of uh, notoriety, at least in terms of what their films are, right? Because like, I can only name a handful of Warner Brothers films, but. Uh, I like them quite a lot, so they they definitely Warner stuck Brother, there. Warner Brothers is also is a big part of why uh, we have the superhero genre to begin with on film, mm -hmm. and part of why DC Comics stayed afloat because they made Superman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, there you go. the Richard Donner film. Is that right? Um, the biggest thing that I'd hurt that I think has really hurt Warner Brothers in recent years, though they seem to have gotten out of it recently, is they've been just been they've been just trying to do the same thing Disney does. Particularly with franchising. Yeah. The DC universe. Yeah. And they seem to have gotten away from that now, or they've been trying to do with Harry Potter as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit greedy. I mean, they have Batman and Harry Potter and Superman. I mean, all the DC films, obviously. But, uh, you know, they have so many other ones. Like, what is it? Acquired libraries. Where am I looking at here? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The Lord of the Rings. 
as well. Big one, the Lego yeah, they movie. Technically have, uh, yeah, they do technically have uh, uh, Lord of the Rings now. Yeah, uh, the whole uh, Dirty Harry franchise, Scooby-Doo. Right, Scooby Doo is a huge part. Oh wow! Of yep. the uh, Card- well, a lot of Cartoon Network or Hanna Barbera stuff. It, mm. <laughs> but yeah, um, Warner, Warner Brothers doesn't have nearly as much of a co- cohesive brand as Disney. Yeah, and like, like obviously their movies are extremely popular, um, but like people don't really when they think about like movie companies, people don't people aren't like, oh yeah, Warner Brothers. I like Warner Brothers. They might know of its existence, but not in the same way where they're like, "Oh, I love Disney." Yeah, yeah. The no, I, and um, I think I think that adds to its cool factor, right? I think mm-hmm. and there is one thing they have done which has been really cool, which is they've loosened their grip on filmmakers. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, kind of a little bit more freedom. Uh, yeah, like at least what, in terms like of a they, at least in terms of like a distributor, right? Yeah, like they literally just uh, financed and released Dune. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah, could you have ever seen Disney release something like that? (laughs) No, no, never. Yeah, no. No. Where are we at on the clock here? 50 seconds. 50 seconds? Mm. I think you can probably end it. I don't know. Yeah, I've kind of made up my mind. Yeah. All right, let's do the countdown. Three, Three, two, two, one. One. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> and her sister Dot. And their sister, and her Dot. sister Dot. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, I think overall the uh the grand scheme of things, Warner Brothers definitely takes the cake. Because Disney's done some shady, shady shit over the mm-hmm. years. It continues to they're, do shady they're shit. Almost, they're 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 getting like pretty close to being a monopoly at this point. Yeah. Which they've is practically bad. And they practically monopolized the film industry. Yeah. And before anybody goes off and says like, oh, the government said it was fine for them to acquire Fox, I'm like Okay, our capitalistic government says uh, it doesn't seem to think that's a problem. Doesn't really tell me anything. Disney's fucking paying them, so. Uh, I will take us out of here. If you liked this episode of the Thundercast, be sure to follow us on social media. You can go to Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. What? And look up Thunder Lizard Collective. And on Twitter, we are Thunder Lizard OG. On Patreon, we are patreon.com slash thunderlizard. So be sure and go there to uh, get up in the know. Get these episodes early. Get the post show. Get Thunder and Dragons early. Get all the good stuff early. On that note, I'd like to thank our patrons, Kate, Tanya, Manos, and Owen. Thank you very much for your continued support. Um, Also, if you like this, be sure to go tell a friend. Share us on social media. Um, Follow us on Spotify or do the same on any other streaming platform. What is the phrase again, Lucas? A podcatcher. That's right. Yes. Do mm-hmm. the same on any sort of podcatcher. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we have another show called Thunder and Dragons. Thunder and Dragons is hosted by Lucas down there. He is our Thundermaster, uh, along with myself, Liam, and our friend Dan. We are guided through a wonderful world that Lucas has made up for us. Yes. It comes out every six months or so. Roughly. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. See ya. Is, is, is Pope Skeet the second coming of Who Christ? Yes. Yes. Are we experiencing the rapture right now? We're building the story yeah. of Pope Skeet. Pope Skeet the first. <laughs> <laughs>